Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today on the show, we unpack prejudice, examine galactic history, and find out just what Ashley Williams' deal is. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and universes of our favorite video games. I'm Connor. And I'm Jaden. And the dynamic duo is back once Absolutely. again. Absolutely. They let me out of my hibernation chamber. <laughs> it's been too long. We and Jaden, you and I are uh crossing the 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 relay for the first time. <laughs> We're, uh, I was gonna say this isn't Star Wars. Yeah, where are we? What galaxy are we in? Not the far, far away one, that's for sure. No. That's, uh, I like it though. I, I, for our listeners, I like other things. As crazy <laughs> as that sounds, I don't just know Star Wars and Fallout. We're, yeah, we're we're both stepping out of our wheelhouses a little bit. Uh, it's it's unfamiliar territory. We're like Pathfinders from that one Mass Effect game we don't talk about. <laughs> there was a, what? God, I wish they made another one. It sucked. They only made three. Yeah, it's it's fun to be talking about Mass Effect once again. I know that. Lore Party hasn't covered Mass Effect in a little while. It's it's great to be kind of picking up that torch again and running with it. And uh, for me, at least, I'm kind of a newbie to this this whole setting. I haven't, I actually hadn't played Mass Effect at all up until earlier this year when the remaster trilogy came out. So I'm coming into it fresh. And you know, Jaden, I understand you, you've you've been a fan for a while, right? Kind of before my time, at least. I have been playing this since as long as I can remember. I think. I even gave I even gave Andromeda a shot, a legitimate shot, before I had to put it down for a little bit. I actually played Andromeda first too. That was my first Mass Effect game. That was your first it, it one. Was. Oh god, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, I started from the beginning. Uh, oh my goodness. You know, I liked Andromeda enough, not you know, not a lot, obviously, but like enough that I wanted to give the trilogy a try. And having played uh, at least through the first game now, I'm still kind of chipping away at Mass Effect 2 right now. Um I I did gain an appreciation for some of the Ashley Williams discourse, and that's what is bringing <laughs> us together today. That's what we're talking about today. Yeah. If you're familiar at all with Mass Effect, if you played even just the first game like me, the name of Ashley Williams probably sets off some bells in your head. Like, uh-oh, here we go. <laughs> Jaden, why is that? What's the discourse around Ashley Williams? Well, um, there's a big split in the Mass Effect community. Uh, you either think that she is a complex character who throughout the series uh, experiences great growth, not only within her personal beliefs, but in the beliefs of cooperation between species as a whole, or she's a space Nazi. <laughs> there is no in-between because that's how the internet works. Yeah, there's there's definitely a label that has stuck to this character. And just, you know, for context, Ashley Williams is a non-playable character you interact with, and she's kind of part of... She's a companion character in Mass Effect. And the label that has stuck to her is that of 
quote unquote space racist. She's just <laughs> she's just bigoted against aliens. And uh, you know, Jaden, you and I are here to say, you know, just on the record, we get it. Yes, we understand the label. <laughs> it's not we, necessarily wrong. I, I cannot argue with what the the beliefs are because the evidence speaks for itself. But I do feel that there are a lot of people who maybe don't get to see the growth that Ashley's character goes through. And that's mostly because this. it seems that the same people who hate her are the same people that leave her to die. True, true. So they don't really get to see the growth that she goes through in the second and third game. Right. Yeah, if you granted she's not in the second game that much, but she's still yeah. there. And but the third game is where she really, really does ca- take on some new uh, roles in the galaxy. Yeah, I, I think what what made me interested in this topic that we're we're discussing on this episode is just when you really look at the context of galactic relations and Ashley's background and her life experiences leading up to her adventures with Commander Shepard. I, I think there's there's more to the conversation than just Ashley's a space racist. I think. You know that that is a valid takeaway at first, at least, because that's that's how I felt. Like like I said, I'm new to the series. I played Mass Effect One recently, and that was kind of my impression of like, ooh, ooh. I don't think I want to hang out with her anymore. And, but yeah, but no, like you you pointed out, and I've kind of seen the direction you were going in. That when you look at galactic history and you look at, I guess the the big the big nugget we'll get to soon is when humanity entered the galactic political scene. You know, it was messy and the generation that Ashley kind of belonged to, they had some experiences that colored their perceptions of the universe. So there's there's some stuff to get into. And, and before we can really talk a lot about the growth that Ashley experiences that Jane, you referred to, uh, I think we'll need to lay some groundwork. We need to get get a sense of what the galaxy looks like and uh, the creatures in it. I, I think that would be the best way to do this. So we're going to mm. give you guys a little bit of backstory first. And then we're going to dive into Ashley herself. I think it'll be a good good little lesson in, in galactic race history for us all. <laughs> I, I think so. So Earth is a messy place. Earth is violent. Earth is diverse. Earth is uh, complicated, chaotic. Uh, and if you really just extrapolate that example on a galactic scale, other planets are also violent, chaotic, messy, and, you know, not everything goes cleanly. Yes. It, yeah, so... The, the galaxy of Mass Effect is, uh, is home to a very broad array of unique species that uh, kind of have to get along, and they haven't always gotten along. There's been stumbles along the way. And in fact, um, the, the period that humanity finds itself coming into is just, all, like the galactic world that they find themselves coming into is just off the cusp of like s- several mm-hmm. e- engagements that are almost turn- plunge the galaxy mm-hmm. into chaos. You know, and so that that's kind of why the when when you first meet the other species of the galaxy, they're kind of like, oh, fuck, the humans are here. <laughs> it, it, it's basically yeah. like uh, that annoying kid, Kevin, that you met. It just w- grows up one day and it's like, hey, guys, you're like, oh, fuck, he's an adult. Now he can drink. Our uh, co-host and friend, Kevin, is probably going to think you're uh, you're taking a shot at him here. But that's that's <laughs> that's that's true. It's the first thing that popped in my head, but not him. <laughs> not him specifically. But no, yeah, there's yeah. that kid. We all knew that kid. And it, yeah, everybody knows a Kyle. <laughs> That's better. There you go. Humanity was that kid, though, because, yeah, you, you have like you have all these species that have just recently learned to sort of get along. You have the Asari, the Turians, the Krogans, the, you know, the, the wise uh, scheming Salarians. Uh, it's it's a 
it's a crowded field to say the least. Mm-hmm. And like you like you alluded to, Jaden, these guys have fought each other already. Especially, I mean, there's there's bad blood between the Salarians and the Krogans, especially for example. Mm-hmm. But you know, right before humanity comes onto the scene in the Mass Effect lore, that this group of species, all these kind of main uh, main players on the galactic stage, they sort of have come together and realized that you know cooperation is preferable to conflict. They came together and formed what's called the Citadel Council. So yes. there has been this agreement that, you know, of at least managing the conflict, if not preventing it. So, you know, there's, there's a tenuous, very tenuous uh, emphasis on that word, uh, peace among the races of the galaxy. And then, like you said, Jaden, that kid shows up, humanity shows up. <laughs> so, but, but let's get into like just some of the examples of, the conflicts you mentioned before humans even came along because obviously it gets even more complicated after humans show up, but even before they did, things were not always copacetic. Exactly. So in the, in the beginning, the Citadel council was formed and each species kind of, uh, took on a different role within the council itself. As, uh, for example, the Asari were the, the mediators, uh, the Turians were basically the bulk military and peacekeeping forces. Mm. Although, at the beginning, sometimes the Krogans were, you know, uh, helping out with that as well. And then the, that led to the Krogan rebellions, obviously. But that being said, the individual species were not like forced into the role. It wasn't like Futurama where you had your career chip installed. <laughs> because we find, you know, in the game, you fight uh, Solarians, for example, who are considered to be, you know, peaceful scientific creatures are mercenaries and pirates. Right. You know, sometimes you might find uh, a, a Krogan who's running a restaurant. Yeah. You know, something like that. So it was, it's not as if like they, they have to be a certain thing. Yeah. These alien species are just as, uh, you know, varied and, uh, diverse as humans are like, you have humans who are aggressive, you have humans who are peaceful. And these, these are fully fledged civilizations that have managed to form at least some semblance of a working relationship with each other. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, while the council was created to stop galactic war, that didn't really work out very well. Um, I mean, I think the biggest one that I would love to talk about first is the uh, the Geth. Yeah. The Geth were created uh, by the Quarian race, and they were basically to be used like, you know, slaves. They were used as soldiers. They were used as workers. Mm-hmm. They were used for everything. But the problem is they made them a little too good, <laughs> and the Geth suddenly became sentient and said, hey, man, can you not? Can you not do that? And the Quarian said, no, I cannot not do that. <laughs> Yeah. Which then the guests went, hey, <laughs> you know what you don't have anymore? A home to go to. <laughs> so they blew up the home planet. Yeah. The the Geth Quarian quandary, uh, that, that didn't end well. The, then there, of course, you have the Rachni Wars, another and you hear this thing you hear this war referred to many times in, in early on in Mass Effect One, because it had a lot of very long term implications. That's kind of where the Krogan Rebellion stemmed from. You know, we we'll yes. mentioned the Krogans. They were they were genetically engineered to fight the Rachni. The Rachni were this kind of hive mind insectoid race that nearly overwhelmed the galaxy. And it was only because the the muscle and the overwhelming numbers of the Krogan that pushed them back. However, they uh, didn't take to uh, peacetime very well. They they kept making war against uh, the Salarians and other races. They. They started demanding more and more territory. You know, we are the heroes of the of the Rachni Wars, therefore we deserve. We are we are strongest, so we must uh, conquer the galaxy. And the rest of uh, them went, "Hey, man, no." <laughs> Can you not, buddy? 
Which, uh, yeah. And then honestly, they weren't winning the war up until the Turians and Salarians decided to uh, release the genophage upon them, mm-hmm. which, you know, obviously the genophage is a disease that literally stopped them from reproducing. Yeah. It was like, it went from, it, it went from like every Krogan female being able to reproduce to like one in a hundred being yeah. able to reproduce, which yeah. actually had a huge implication on their society because then the, the women who could reproduce became like these like prized uh, things to be you know, held up above all, like almost created like mini goddesses within their society. Cause they were like, Hey, this woman can make more of us. We must protect her. And that led to them having warlords that were women. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty messed up, and that that had very long term implications for the Krogans. And they, to this day, relations between the Krogans, Turians, and Salarians uh, remain. They're not great. Not great, <laughs> not They're to not say the great. least. But that that's all to say, like this is all just context for you know, all the races of the galaxy have already had centuries of not always getting along, finding ways to coexist without uh, genociding each other, xenociding each other, um, and you know this was the status quo for a while and uh it's almost like hey you know what would uh make this chaotic bullshit even more chaotic and even more bullshit <laughs> how about the humans a whole new species <laughs> yeah, the, the humans find out how to use mass relays they discover interstellar travel and uh they come on this like hey what's up we're the humans we're uh here to we're here to but, peacefully but, coexist with you all not <laughs> not the craziest thing to me too is that um humanity they activated the mass relay that they found in their solar system Mm -hmm. they you know start they start uh spreading out amongst the galaxy and then they run into the turians like i think it was like three months after they activated the relay the first time it did not take long at all it was instantly (laughs) they ran into a hostile species which honest to god that must have been uh imagine this like you're you're on you're a soldier on the front lines and all of a sudden, every alien invasion movie ever is real. Yeah. Yeah. Suddenly that goes from science fiction to reality. I, I got to imagine, especially because like the humans encountered the Turians for the first time, right. you know, the, the most bug-like of the main species. And they're just like, oh God, aliens are real. They're going to they're gonna use the face huggers on us to make more of them. <laughs> Game over, man. Game over. Exactly. I, I really hope that, that that movie is a thing in their world. They were in like people just shouting that at each other. I, I hope so. That's Shut that, up, Frank. <laughs> that's my headcanon, at least. But no, wasn't it kind of just a bit of a misunderstanding between Turians and humans? It's kind of like... So the, the way it worked was that, you know, uh, reactivating mass relays is one of the, uh, one of the biggest uh, no-nos in uh, the Citadel Council has. Right. Because the last time someone active, reactivated a relay, it led them to a Rachni planet, which right. is what, when the Rachni Wars started. Gotcha. So... Uh, the Turians are just like, who the fuck are these guys? <laughs> these fucking hillbillies with shotguns who are <laughs> fucking banging their wrenches on my mass relay. Stop yeah. that right now. It was a classic example of humans being the the dumb apes not understanding what they were meddling with and the Turians showing up and kind of like smacking the stupid kid who's burning himself on the stove, basically. Honestly, and I think originally they thought that they, you know, the, 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 the Turians had no idea who they were. They thought they were pirates. So that's why they opened fire. So yeah, it's it's kind of just cultures clashing, not being familiar with each other, misunderstandings of uh, leading to armed hostilities, and that that is what started what is uh, known in Mass Effect history as the first contact war. And coming back to the main point here, Jaden, you you referred to just how suddenly this this 
huge shift in human history was, this is, it cannot be overstated how rapidly and dramatically being a human being transformed in, in this way. Yeah. Like suddenly, you know you're not alone in the universe. And suddenly you're at war with a technologically advanced species that, uh, I'll, let's be honest, they're way better at uh, prosecuting they're, a war than we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's more of them. There's a yeah. lot more. And and this this means mankind is now thrown headfirst into this radically new political reality. And, you know, you're introduced not only just to the Turians, but to uh, dozens of other new species. Absolutely. And I feel bad for two people. I feel bad for the diplomats who are suddenly being thrust into, you know, name a hundred different <laughs> new protocols, yes. procedures, traditions, uh, just all these things that they now have to learn. It's like, oh, the Asari don't shake with their right hand or uh, the Turians prefer you to bow. Well, which, what, are, what is that thing? It's like, that's the Krogan, you, you idiot. It's like, oh, are they mean? It's like, don't say that. You can't say that to them. Whatever you do. When you meet a Batarian, do not look at its upper row of eyes. Look, look at the lower row, of, <laughs> like stuff like that. You have to, you have to learn. Exactly, to be rude. That's the first group of people I feel bad for. The second group are high school history students. <laughs> oh my god! Really? Because now they have to know all of the different histories, not just the human one. They have to know the other ones, like mm -hmm. like. The humans of there, it's like, hey, oh, that's a fun fact about the Rachni War. But it's like a human is like, no, you must know that and the Revolutionary War. Yeah. But the Revolutionary War doesn't really seem to matter now that we know that there's a <laughs> there was a giant Revolutionary War called the Krogan Rebellion that involved yeah. billions of species. Yeah. Everything that people have gone through on Earth seems very small by comparison. Exactly. Uh, and it was, yeah, it, it was sink or swim. You had to just get used to this new existential status quo very quickly and uh i think i i think we uh can also feel sorry for the turians asari the other citadel races who had to you know take on the burden of introducing humanity to the rest of the galaxy and sort of getting them yeah. up to speed they must have felt like they were they were just hand-holding children the whole time like okay well this is called a mass relay this is how it works you know, just can i have be... that planet no you can't have that planet why <laughs> oh it's owned by the krogans uh, from the treaty of uh, 4786 and you know this uh this has generational effects on on humanity as a species this is uh lasting repercussions for the entire citadel space the whole citadel region of space and i, I think what's really important to take away here is that as a civilization, humanity now feels this very real need. Like there's a there's a real basis for it. There's this need to prove itself. Humanity has to like kind of claim a space in the void, like literally. And uh, yeah. suddenly, say, no, we're here. We exist. We're allowed. To, we we deserve to be here. We have to stand up for ourselves. But also, uh, you know, can't rock the boat. Yeah, exactly. They can't rock the boat. They have to find a way to coexist. But that's hard when, you know, you just came out of the first contact war and you uh, feel a little suspicious toward the other these other new species you're just discovering, especially the Turians for for good reason. Like you just got out of a yeah. war with them. So I mean, it's, it's very telling that you know the first uh, game, one of the big objectives for humanity is to get a seat on the council. Right. Exactly. And the rest of the the rest of the galaxy is like, no, you're not ready, man. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> the the adults are talking. Be, uh, human beings, like <laughs> go sit at the kitty table. You're not. You ready. Are, you're at your lifespan is eighty years. Shut up. <laughs> exactly. Okay, we're gonna take a quick break here, but stick around. 
We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That, that's all to say, this was all background for the galaxy that Ashley Williams is born into and has to exist in. Yes. And, you know, I, I think most of us are familiar with sort of the, the gist of Mass Effect. You, you play as Commander Shepard. He or she is in command of a ship and a special mission. Yep. And on that ship and on that mission is, uh, is Ashley Williams. She is a, she's a human soldier kind of uh, serving in the, uh, human military, which is called the Systems Alliance. She's a gunnery chief, mm. which is a naval rank. She basically means she's kind of like a sergeant, you know, kind of like a mid-level enlisted uh, enlisted trooper and, and a certified yes. badass. She's she she's a gunner, uh, weaponry expert. She's tough. She's experienced. And she's much better than her rank would suggest, which we'll get into that. Exactly. In but one thing you really need to understand about her is that she comes from a military tradition. She comes from a long line of servicemen and servicewomen. In fact, her grandfather, General Williams, this is crazy. This seems cosmic. This General Williams was the, the, a man who surrendered the first garrison at a planet called Shanxi to the Turians during the First Contact War. He was the first human ever to surrender to an alien force a very dubious distinction to say the least that's not a that's not a reputation most people want it's not what you want to be known as right and so you know coming from that that ancestry you know the williams family kind of has that that shadow hanging over it her family you know they've kind of tried to earn back a reputation ever since then but it's been hard you know the williams name has held ashley back uh, I think she mentions yes. during the game uh, when you have conversations with her, she mentions being passed over for promotions and being uh, stationed on backwater planets where nothing ever happens. And she feels that she's being punished for the failure of not not her father, but her grandfather. Right. Like this is, you know, this is she probably, you know, you know, most people only know their grandparents until they're what teenagers, maybe. Yeah. So I um, mean, you imagine like this. This is a guy that she, you know, barely knows. And she's being punished because he couldn't figure out how to defeat something that no one had ever seen before. Right. Cut the guy some slack, man. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. And so. That's what the military is known for. Cutting slack. <laughs> they're very. Yeah, they're very good. They're at very slack. nice. They're understanding. Everyone I've ever met who was in the military says it's a it's a smooth and easy time. <laughs> Shit doesn't roll downhill. What are you talking about? <laughs> and knowing this about her, knowing that, you know her family in specific, but people in general, there's a kind of a uh, broad kind of lingering in the background resentment for Turians. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I, and that extends to other species in the Citadel as well for this poor treatment of, you know, like, like you said, Jaden, the, 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 in the first game, a big plot point is humans just want a seat on the council. They just want to be heard. And, yep. you know, that sort of trickles down to Ashley having this resentment of, my grandfather was beaten and shamed by the Turians and I'm still paying for it today. So there's this, there's this lingering resentment that Ashley holds on to when you early on in her career, when you, when you meet her 
as a result, she's kind of standoffish. She's a bit bristly yep. about this whole thing. When when you, when she's working with Commander Shepard and having to hop around from planet to planet serving the Citadel, she's not exactly happy to sort of be working hand in hand with aliens, him. errand boys. I think the way she exactly, describes exactly. it. Exactly. She's she's not happy about it. She she's she says uh, things like she'll do it because she's been given orders to do it, but she would prefer to be on a ship with only humans. Which it's like, oh, that doesn't, that's not a very, that's where, that's where that, that, uh, like, ooh, that wasn't, why'd you say it like that? Like, Ashley, what's little, going on, pal? It's a little sus. It's a little, uh, it's a little sketchy. Yeah, it's a little, yeah. a little weird. And it's, it's important to point out, like, the, you know, this political climate we've been referring to, this resentment among humans toward, uh, toward the Citadel species, there, it, it does culminate in a few ways, uh, especially with the group Terra Firma. It's a, uh, kind of almost like a human supremacist faction within, uh, the Systems mm-hmm. Alliance that, sort of argues for i don't know if they go so far as human isolationism like we shouldn't even cooperate with the council but it is definitely a uh firebrand sort of voice which and then and that's not even to mention too cerberus oh yeah we'll get to cerberus which, in a bit that's yeah, yeah we have to yeah can't talk about space racists without talking about cerberus exactly so when we when we meet ashley we we don't always we, we i guess we don't understand all this about her when we first meet her we don't know that you know, she comes from a long line of of military service, but she also comes from a bit of a tarnished reputation with her family, mm-hmm. and which is very similar. It's very similar to uh, if we draw parallels from the real world, uh, Hannibal the Great. Ah, For those yes. of you that don't know, uh, Hannibal the Great is the uh, the man who crossed the Alps. Do you remember from history mm-hmm. class and led a war? against Rome for about 15 years. What a lot of people don't know is that this was actually a family business. Mm. Uh, Hannibal's own father fought in the first Punic War, and after they lost, he actually told his son to he made him swear eternal vengeance against Rome at all costs. But no pressure, right? Jeez. <laughs> but no pressure, yeah. So Hannibal, you know, in a lot of ways, Hannibal's like Ashley. Yeah. They both, su- you know, their parents both suffered, or their, their family suffered great defeat. And then they were like, oh, I don't like this. I mean, Hannibal's anger, you know, that's what led him to cross the Alps. Yeah. And that's what led him to spend 15 years in another country waging war. Like, you got to imagine after year 10, he was getting a little tired of it. (laughs) I would have. That's a long time. I would have bailed after five, honestly. Right? (laughs) I got things to do back home. (laughs) Yeah. What we're getting at, it's crucial to understand this, this family pressure this these expectations that we feel this need to live up to my uh, my father was conquered by rome or my my grandfather was beaten by the turians i have to uh i have to prove that i'm better and that i have to be better. i mean a uh, really fun fact uh, at one point hannibal's hatred had consumed him so much to the point where rather than uh sit and rest after suffering an eye wound he chose to rip out his own freaking eye wow he ripped out his own eye because his need to keep going to fight the Romans was so great. That's hardcore. That's super hardcore. But that's that's a, and I, I can't think of a more Abe Hamian moment than that. Yeah, seriously. I, I'm 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 happy to say though that I, I think Ashley as a character luckily avoids the path that Hannibal ended up taking. I think uh Correct. You know, while Hannibal allowed his hatred to consume him and sort of burn himself out trying to conquer Rome. What we have to give Ashley credit for is that eventually she faced her prejudices. She owned up to them. 
she took stock of them and she rose above them. It's it's yes. it's important to to acknowledge that she eventually got to that point. I th- I think too living on the Normandy with other species kind of opened her eyes and made her see behind, you know, see past the narrow dogmatic view that she had of other species because at, you know, at this time not there wasn't a lot of exposure going the other way. You know, humans really didn't have a lot of the the average human didn't have a lot of contact with alien species unless they sought them mm-hmm. out you know you'll find humans on the citadel but like those people went to them to went like out to experience it whereas ashley's yeah. exactly ashley's a soldier you know they, they if they don't post her to a to a alien world she's not going right yeah it's that classic and scientifically observed uh kind of empirical phenomenon of exposure like you know when when people live in close proximity with with other individuals from you know, from outside their ethnic group or their personal experience, they, they grow an appreciation for these other people that they didn't have before. And, you know, I guess when you take a game example of Ashley being on a squad or a fire team with a Turian and a Quarian and an Asari and a Krogan and having to shed blood with them and kind of watch their backs and trust them to watch hers, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll foster some feelings of, you know, these are just these are sentient beings just like I am. Yep. They are more than the reputations of their species, just like I am more than the reputation of mine. Mm-hmm. I, I, I agree. And I mean, the, the other thing too we can take and look from this is very early on, uh, Ashley rejects terra firma. Yes. She's like, I, she even calls them uh, jackals, xenophobic jackals. Right. Uh, you know, if she really doesn't fit the description of like, a, like even a Cerberus agent where it's like, nope, Humans only. She's like, whoa, these guys are little nuts. Yeah. Yeah. I think she would probably say, and Terra Firma would definitely say that the, the group Terra Firma was originally founded with the intention of just, we, we want to just be a human advocacy voice. We just, we're just here to represent humans and make sure that we're treated fairly, but you know, over time or maybe even not over that much time, maybe immediately <laughs> it turned into this just kind of anti-alien paranoia sort of thing where you know we don't trust anyone who's not human this isn't even about fair treatment for humans anymore this is about human supremacy and again to ashley's credit she recognizes that like you said and and, you know going further you know at vermeyer the the word vermeyer probably set off some spidey senses you know the hairs on your neck are standing up if you've played the first game That's well for a lot of people. The Vermeer is where this story ends. That's true. That's true. We'll get to that. Is there a metric somewhere of how many people left Ashley versus Caden? <sighs> I wonder if there is. There, I'm sure there's numbers there somewhere. But yes, Vermeer is a very pivotal moment in the game. Uh, it's a planet that some radical stuff happens. Some some momentous stuff happens. Um, for for one example, uh, Rex is a Krogan crew member of the of the of Commander Shepard's mission, and. There's a confrontation happening between Shepard and Rex, and if it goes badly, it can end with Rex dying. And in a lot of cases, it ends with Ashley shooting Rex on Shepard's orders or because Rex is about to shoot Shepard. And Ashley doesn't hesitate. She, she, she's ready to go. She, dro- she throws that heat. She pulls the trigger, kills Rex, doesn't think twice about it. And that could suggest that she's happy to kill Krogan's and that she doesn't mind that at all. But uh, on the flip side, though, there's a team of Solarian commandos that you team up with on that mission on Vermeer, and 
Ashley is also happy to go along with them, fight alongside yep. them, work directly with them. And even later, she'll she'll remark on their tenacity and their skill, and she'll re- express respect for them. So it kind of like it's almost confusing. Like Ashley, do you hate aliens or not? Like I don't get it. It's mixed signals, and you kind of get the feeling that it was never really about hating aliens with her. It was just kind of more a bit of a defensiveness on her part. I think a uh, uh, an insecurity and a need to prove herself and to prove humanity. She's she's being exposed to things and people that she had only ever heard about right from people who had negative experiences with them right you know the things being space travel and the people being the other aliens that they've encountered exactly so you know you're on this growth journey with her and you're watching her learn to coexist with alien species and fight alongside them and behind all of that is this she's a soldier to her core she will obey her orders without hesitation as long as they align with her conscience of course but her conscience is flexible she'll do what she needs to do um and that whole that whole journey is her kind of finding a way to square her orders with her conscience but also grow beyond personal prejudices Mm -hmm. and i i think that when you boil her down to just space racist and then you leave her to die on vermeyer which is an option you can do i think you're missing out on you know watching some personal growth that I think is interesting. And no, no, I believe you're absolutely right because, you know, those of you who, who do get Ashley to live, you get to see some, you know, she eventually goes on to become a specter herself. Right. You know, she goes, she goes and specters are not servants of humanity. Specters are the servants of the council. Right. You know, and if she really hadn't changed, she would not have accepted that role. That's a good so point. She, she clearly embraces her place in the galaxy and uh, her, her need to serve, everyone not just humans yeah yeah so i i think with ashley you watch a character gradually learn that it's not about her that you know her kind of personal struggles pale in comparison to you know in the first game the reaper threat or the you know the the geth threat and the threat that saren poses in the first game and later on the reapers and you know just i think i think you have a perfect example there jaden of just you know, going from a purely human perspective of I'm a human soldier, I defend humanity. That's all. That's what I'm all about. I'm here to redeem my family name. And then going from that to being a specter, someone who yes. has risen above their species and risen above the things that used to define them to uphold the greater good for all races that cooperate with the Citadel. So it's, it's, it's a lot of growth for sure. Yeah. Which I think uh, we do need to ask this question, though, just to wrap things up. Do you think that Ashley would have experienced this growth had she not been assigned to the Normandy after the Geth attack on her outpost? It's mm, a very good question. Yeah, that's that's definitely a crossroads in her life. You know, when we first meet Ashley, she is posted to a, a very remote planet where yep. nothing much happens. And that's the first kind of planet you land on in the first game. And it's attacked by Geth, which are, like we mentioned earlier, kind of a machine race, an AI race the Quarians created. And that that's, yeah, that's the big crossroads. When that happens, she gets the chance to join Commander Shepard, join the mission to stop Saren. But yeah, if she hadn't, what would she have done? She would have been sitting there with this, with this uh, traumatizing event of watching her friends die after the Geth attack. And honestly, who's to know that Ashley would have even survived? the Geth attack had right. Shepard not shown up. 
very easily she could have been killed. Uh, just just like what was his name, uh, Jenkins? <laughs> yeah. Imagine yourself in Ashley's shoes. Um, you know, she's the only survivor in her squadron mm-hmm. after an alien attack that mirrors almost perfectly what her grandfather went through all those years ago. Yeah. You know, you know, I could very easily see her, see her getting blamed the way her grandfather did. You know, oh, it's the Williams. They can't take it. Right. They can't stomach alien combat. Right. You know, would she, would she, I think, honestly, I think she would have taken it personally. I, I and think, I think right. that, I think that terra firma or Cerberus would have gained another loyal soldier to be completely honest, because Shepard really redeems her and saves her. And, you know, gives her life a new chance. Whereas I think that if she was isolated and alone, I mean, that's how terrorists are born. Exactly. You know, when they have, when they don't think there's any other option, they will turn to the one thing they think will let, allow them to make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. In their minds. And I could totally see her being like, oh, Cerberus, you know, every everything that's happened to my family, aliens are the cause. It should just be laid out for anyone not familiar. Cerberus, we mentioned earlier, uh, if, if you took terra firma, you know, and human supremacist organization and you made it a bit more clandestine and uh, better organized and better equipped you'd basically have cerberus cerberus was kind of hydra <laughs> you have hydra basically hi- like a uh, human supremacist hydra is how you can describe cerberus it's this black ops organization uh dedicated to keeping humanity at the forefront of the galaxy kind of keeping them on uh at the ready in case anything uh tries to come after us and yes, it, if Ashley was the sole survivor of the Geth attack at the beginning of Mass Effect 1, she would be in a very vulnerable place, like you said. And, uh, you know, she wouldn't have had that chance to see the galaxy, experience new things that she had never experienced before alongside Commander Shepard, work with alien races, learn about them, get to, get to know them and cooperate with them and grow as a person. She could have stayed. Absolutely. She could have stayed stagnant and bitter and resentful and become one of the most feared and dangerous Cerberus operatives <laughs> anyone's ever met. And uh, I'm glad that didn't happen. Thankfully, it didn't go that way. Yes, for sure. And I think that about wraps it up for us today, guys. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. I had a lot of fun. If you have a second, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts really helps us grow the show uh be sure to check us on instagram and twitter at more underscore party and check out our youtube page for bonus videos and highlights thank you so much for listening we will catch you guys next time